The backwoods seemed to be more popular than ever, with more cryptid encounters being sent in, ghostly apparitions, and downright strange encounters with people you wouldn't want to meet. These viewers have sent in some truly terrifying stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and downright strange backwoods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. I'm a park ranger who's seen my fair share of horrible things. By Horror Writer 1717. I'm a park ranger who's seen my share of horrible things. Somewhere along the line, being a park ranger became a lot more complicated than riding around in a truck, giving people directions, and checking fishing licenses. I can point to one event that started me down the road to losing my naivety, to becoming something more. I never used to believe in cryptids, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, Skimwalkers, and all that stuff. They were just things of dreams, creepypastas, and things that salesmen looking to cash in on those who didn't know any better. At the time, I was working at a park with beautiful mountains and rivers and lakes to enjoy. The park itself was massive, miles upon miles of forest, separated by single roads running through the middle. It was a hiker's dream and a ranger's nightmare. There were many pull-offs with incredibly scenic views that people would take advantage of. If I could have charged a nickel for every car pulled over to take a picture, I would have been a millionaire years ago. If I had been given a bonus every time I had to help rescue a hiker that went off the trail and got lost or fell over the edge of a ravine, I'd have quite a nest egg too. But that's, that's the job. You take the good with the bad, and the bad can get downright horrible. I was walking a trail, as rangers are supposed to do, and came across a campsite. It was nothing spectacular, five tents set up in a clearing just off the trail. It seemed odd right away though, because all the tents were zippered up. Being almost noon, I didn't think hikers out here this far would be the kind to lay in a tent for half the day. So I cleared my throat loudly and announced that I was a park ranger and wanted to see if they needed any assistance. The sounds of the forest were the only answer I got back. I announced myself again, hoping to see a head pop out of one of the tents and say they were okay, and to tell me to bug off, but that didn't happen. Finally, I knocked on one of the tents and asked if everything was okay. Receiving no answer, I slowly unzipped the tent. The inside was immaculate and tidy. Everything was folded and in its place. Food was sealed up and a sleeping bag was laid on the ground. It looked like someone had gotten up early, tidied their tent to go for a stroll. I checked the other tents and they were the exact same way. No mess, no sign of anything wrong. I put my hand over the embers of the charred wood in the fire ring. It was warm as if someone had only used it a couple of hours prior. It was an unseasonably warm October day. The sun was shining brightly overhead and the temperatures were already in the 70s. I had brought my jacket but left it in the truck back at the trailhead, never thinking I would need it on a beautiful day like today. After checking the tents and finding them all in order, I resealed them and went on my way. At the time, I saw no need for an alarm. The scene looked like a group who had gone hiking for the day. I continued down the trail, enjoying the sunshine and watching for anyone needing help. Hours later, I came through on the path somewhat mystified. This was one of our most popular trails, yet I hadn't seen a single soul on it the entire day. 
It was odd, but still nothing I needed to report or raise any concern about. I returned to the camp only to find it in the same condition I'd left it. I knocked on one of the tents again and got no answer. I opened one up and found everything as I had left it. It was getting close to sundown and I was concerned that the campers were nowhere to be found. The campsite was high up and you could see from quite a bit from there. The trail split on one side and went to a river while the other side dead-ended after somewhat tricky climbs over to an overlook that ended on a cliff. I was concerned for the campers and would have felt much better if they had been back at their camp. Visions of one of them sliding down into the ravine and the other four trying to rescue them danced through my head. I reached for my radio but decided against it. I walked the rest of the way back to the trailhead to see if there were cars. The group might have decided to go for breakfast or lunch and decided to leave their gear out here. I found four cars in my ranger truck when I got to the trailhead. Now I was starting to worry. I called it in on my radio and gave descriptions and license numbers, just in case. They all came back as being registered to local kids in their 20s. They had a weekend camping trip with a group of friends. The only thing that was missing, though, was that that group of friends. Where could they be? I checked that thought, hoping they weren't missing. I grabbed my jacket and flashlight from the truck since the setting sun had already dropped the temperature several degrees. Then I went back down to the trail, looking for any clues from where these kids could have gone. As I approached the campsite, I mentally crossed my fingers that they would all be sitting around the campfire and chuckling at the silly ranger who thought they were lost. That didn't happen. By the time I got back to their campsite, it was nearly dark. I rechecked the tents, this time looking more closely for clues where they might have gone. But if they left anything behind to hint at their whereabouts at all, I didn't find it. I called in on the radio and reported that the group hadn't returned to their site. The ranger I talked to was also concerned. Just like in many other parks, there were wild animals that roamed around. I thought they could have fallen victim to one. There would have at least been a sign of a struggle though, right? But when I walked the trail earlier, I hadn't seen anything. Suddenly, the nightly sound ceased. All the animals, the insects chirping, walking, and raising a racket in the forest went silent. It was terrifyingly still. My senses went on high alert. I shone my flashlight around the campsite and the forest beyond, but I couldn't see anything but trees. As I scanned the area with my light, I looked around a bit more, then heard a soft footstep behind me. I tried to understand which direction it was coming from and what was making the sound. As I searched, my hand found the can of pepper spray on my belt and I pulled it out. Instinctively, I shook the can and held it ready in case a bear or some other predator appeared out of the woods with less than friendly intentions. My light drifted as I waited to hear another sound. The silence was oppressive. My breathing was so loud it nearly made up for the loss of any animal sounds. I listened to another step and another. I tried to focus on it, but I couldn't see anything. The steps weren't getting closer or farther away. They seemed to be circling me. I was being stalked. I wanted to use my radio, but that meant putting down the flashlight or the pepper spray. I didn't want to sacrifice light or defense. I decided to switch things up and go on the offense. I stepped towards the last place I heard the footsteps. I wasn't being quiet about it either. I tromped on the leaves, broke sticks, and generally let whatever it was known that I was coming. I'm not sure if that was the most brilliant move, but I wanted to get the stalker out of the stalking mode and put it on the defensive. I didn't hear any more footsteps. Of course, that could have been because I was making a racket of my own. The tree line approached rapidly, and I was forced to make a decision. 
Do I continue into the trees and lose visibility or do I stay in the false safety of the clearing? I knew in the back of my mind that this was a predator bent on making me its prey. There was no safety. I stood at the edge of the clearing and waited. I could hear a faint sound of breathing. It was slow and deep. Whatever was out there was a big, but it wasn't moving. We stood there in our silent standoff, unsure of what the other would do. Waiting was not to my advantage, though. If this thing had done something to the campers, there was no reason to think it wouldn't do the same to me. Out here in the middle of nowhere, where even light was scarce, there was no safety against a creature with unknown intentions. I felt the thing move. There was a whisper of a breeze. I knew it was coming. I aimed my pepper spray in the sound's direction and sprayed a burst. For a moment there was silence and then suddenly an exhale. It was much closer than I had thought. I aimed where it had been and sprayed for another burst. This time, there was a definite reaction. It let out a terrifying roar so close I felt the wind and smelled the stench of death from it. I risked spraying back and forth over the area where I thought it was. Every nerve in my body was screaming for me to run, but I kept pouring, starting to cough myself from the cloud of chemicals that blew back on me when it roared. The roar stopped at the same time the can sputtered. I stood defenseless. I didn't dare run. That was like the sounding of a dinner bell. I threw the can toward the creature with exhausted pepper spray, grabbed my radio and called for help. I'm out here on Beggar's Trail where I found those abandoned tents, I said quickly, not knowing how many seconds it would take until the creature attacked. I've come across an unidentified predator. What kind of predator? The ranger answered back. I rolled my eyes wondering about the word unidentified. She didn't understand. I'm not sure I didn't get a look at it. Is there any sign of the campers? None, I said. It's like they've up and vanished. No sign of a struggle, but this predator showed me a clue of what might have happened. Are you safe? No. Then get out of there, and we'll get together a search party in the morning. Roger that, I said, not having to be told twice to leave this place. I backed away from the edge of the woods, never taking my eyes off the tree line. Once I returned to the camp, I turned and started walking fast towards the trail. I said walking, but it was more of a, a walking run, a power walk, if you will. I didn't want to break into an entire run, even though my mind was screaming at me to get the hell out of there as fast as possible. I power walked down the trail, keeping my senses alert and my eyes darting back and forth between both sides of the course. It didn't do much good to look anyway. My flashlight lit up the middle of the trail and the sides were dominated by shadows that danced and jumped as my flashlight moved. This didn't help me out of panic mode either. After a few minutes, I thought I heard something in the wood behind me. I spun around for a glance, but never stopping my momentum, nearly tripping on a branch across the trail. After that, I stopped looking back, but I was sure I heard something back there. I upped my pace to the fastest walk possible. I could see the trailhead looming ahead of me. I knew from watching horror movies that this was the time when the victim was often caught. Right when they were approaching safety, I threw everything to the wind and ran the last hundred yards to the truck. I threw myself in and started it in one smooth motion. I honestly don't remember putting it in drive, stomping on the gas, and doing more than 180 all the way down the road. I slammed on the brakes on the first turn and glanced back in the rearview mirror. I swear I saw a set of red glowing eyes staring at me. I didn't know if they were red because of the brake lights or not, but I didn't really care to find out. When I was a mile down the road, I eased off the gas and tried to get my breathing back to a normal pace. I tried to think about why I had been so scared. 
I had no proof that this animal wanted to hurt me, or that it had anything to do with the missing campers, but still something was nagging in the back of my mind telling me that if I had not gotten out of there, I would not be alive right now to share this story. I briefly stopped at the ranger station to talk to the ranger on duty, then went home to get some sleep. I knew tomorrow was going to be a long day. When I returned to the station the following morning after a very short and restless night, there were already more cars there than usual. I walked in to the head ranger, talking about the search party. I was assigned to the leading group since I was the first on the scene. I wasn't sure how I really felt about that. Of course, it made me proud that I would be picked to be leading the group, but I also had reservations about returning to that campsite. I was sure that I had dodged a bullet last night, and I wasn't sure how many more chances like that I would get before my luck ran out in this life. The head ranger gave me the floor, and I quickly reported yesterday's events. I left out the monster. I found out I was also assigned to the group that had a specialist, a tracker that had been brought in from another state just for the search. I was happy to have the help, hoping she would be able to find the campers while there was still something left to see. Before we left, I went to the storeroom, grabbed two extra cans of pepper spray, and replaced the one I had emptied yesterday. We then got to the trailhead, and the cars were all still there. I found it creepy, but I guess I would have been a bit freaked out if they were suddenly gone. Might have been a little bit more perplexing. It was interesting trying to fit an additional five vehicles in the parking lot that was designated to hold only six cars. I got out and put my backpack on as the rest of the team did the same. The rest of the group had idle chit-chat, but I was quiet. I felt better because it was morning and light out, plus there were more people around me, but the nagging thought wouldn't go away. The campers had the same amount of people when they're gone. The tracker pulled out a map and laid it out on the hood of the car. We gathered around as she laid out the plan to split into two teams. She and I would check out the campsite while the other three rangers would continue on the trail searching for clues. We all headed out together. Once we got to the camp, the three others kept going while the tracker and I stayed behind. She paused and looked over the entire site, slowly panning from left to right. I stayed behind and kept quiet so as not to disturb her. As we moved into the campsite, she would often pause and look closely at the ground even lying down at one point and looking across the floor. When we had done a slow, methodical walkthrough, she paused and took a drink from her canteen. Did you find anything? I said, startling myself with the sound of my own voice. The birds and insects had began making noise, but we hadn't spoken since we had gotten out of our vehicles over a mile away. I didn't find any campers if that's what you're asking, she said. No signs of a struggle. That's what I thought too, I replied unsure if I was qualified to exchange notes with the person or not. She stared at me for a long moment, making me wonder if I had offended her with my simple observation. How long ago were you here? She said. Around noon yesterday is when I first discovered the campsite. And what do you find odd about that? I looked around, not noticing anything odd but feeling like this was some pop quiz the teacher was pulling on me, and I hadn't studied. I did a full pass through looking at everything, but I did not see what she was looking for. Uh, I don't know, I finally admitted, slumping my shoulders. The tents, she said. They're still here, they're, they're still in perfect condition. I looked at the tents and thought, so what? She must have seen my confusion. There are bears and other animals in this park, correct? Uh, of course, I said, still not following. Don't you think they would have at least explored these tents looking for food? 
the light bulb went off. We weren't looking for just what happened, but what hadn't happened. Why wouldn't they? I said to myself. You reported that you heard a predator last night, right? I nodded, not liking where this was going. Where were you and where did you see it? She said. I hesitated, looking around the camp trying to get my bearings. It was over this way, I said, slowly stepping between the tents. I had just checked the tents for the second time when the birds and insects suddenly went silent. She stopped me. What? The birds stopped chirping and the insects stopped carrying on, I said. It was quite unnerving to be in such immediate and total silence. I'm sure, she said with a far-off look. I looked around but didn't see anything, I said. Then I heard a footstep. Just one? Yeah, it was kind of creepy. What then? I started toward the sound, then heard more footsteps. I said as we walked toward the trees. They weren't coming toward me, they were more encircling me. Did you hear anything else? When I got close to the edge of the tree line, I swear, I could hear, I could hear breathing. She stopped me as we came to the tree line. You were close enough to hear it breathe? I nodded. She looked me up and down as if seeing me for the first time. And you had no idea what it was? I didn't see anything with the light, and the roar was so loud it was hard to identify. It roared at you? After I sprayed it with pepper spray, she stared at me for a long moment. For an instant, she looked as though she wanted to say something but then went into the trees searching for tracks. I left her to do her thing and stood back to be out of her way. After circling several trees, she started more profound into the woods, seeming like she was following a path I could not see. Did you find something? I said quietly after we had gone a dozen yards into the forest. She nodded, not looking up. I couldn't resist the urge to ask. What, what was it? She stopped and turned toward me, looking several shades paler than before. You don't want to know. That's all she said. I looked around the forest that seemed to be closing in on me. I could feel the same fear grab me by the base of my spine like last night when I was power walking toward my truck. A am I lucky to be alive? I said, not needing the answer. Try not to think about it, she said without looking up. I spent the rest of the day doing just that. The more I tried not to think about it, the more I thought about it. We had started level when she was first on the invisible trail. However, as we went, the ground started to go more and more downhill toward an angle that became more of a steep downhill angle and eventually a treacherous downhill slide. We had to hang on to trees and dig our heels in so we wouldn't tumble down the hill. I could see the river below, but it was a good hundred yards to the bottom and there was no way to slide or roll without hitting several trees on the way down. If we slipped or lost our footing, there was no way we would not sustain severe, even life-threatening injuries. She led us down the invisible trail until we were halfway down the hill. Then she took a turn, and we cut straight across the mountain. I thought how much easier this was when my foot slipped and I nearly tumbled down the hill. Luckily, I grabbed a sapling on my way down, and it halted my fall. She came down to me and helped me back up. I was about to say thank you when she put her finger to my lips. I took the hint and didn't say a thing. She pointed further along the trail and could see we were heading straight toward a cave. The river was louder now. We were a little closer. Because of that, I hadn't noticed the birds were no longer singing. She must have seen it too. She crawled over to another tree and sat against it, then slowly and quietly began covering herself with fallen leaves and loose brush to hide. Following her lead, I did the same thing. 
When we finished, I could barely see her. We sat there for a few minutes. I was desperately searching all around for anything moving. I quietly got one of the cans of pepper spray and held it at the ready. I knew the only reason it worked last night was that I had the element of surprise. If I sprayed whatever creature this was today, it might end up ripping off my arm. But at least I knew it worked once. As we sat there, I was starting to get antsy. I could feel ants crawling on me. I tried moving to slowly brush them away. When I glanced over at her, she glared at me. Once she had caught my eye, she slowly shook her head a minuscule amount, just enough for me to get the message and stop moving. It wasn't long after that I heard the footsteps again. This time, they weren't trying to be quiet. I could feel them in the ground. I tried looking toward the cave, but the leaves that camouflaged me also blocked most of my vision. I could only see a small patch of trees directly in front of me 20 feet away. In the end, that may have been for the best. I caught a small glimpse of the creature and didn't want to see the rest of it. If I had, I might have run away in terror, even though I was hidden. What I saw was massive. I was mystified how it could walk on the hillside without sliding down the river. That was the thought that kept me from panicking. How can this thing balance without sliding into the river? It was a stupid thought, but it kept me from freaking out. I held my breath as it walked past me. I, I don't know if it knew I was there, and maybe it was just toying with me. I closed my eyes and waited for this thing to stop, turn, and lunge at me. A few minutes later, I was still waiting. I felt a hand on my shoulder and it was all I could do to not scream. The tracker held her hand over my mouth until she knew I wouldn't yell. She motioned me to follow her, and we headed toward the cave. The whole time I was shooting furtive glances over my shoulder, waiting for this thing to come back. When we got to the mouth of the cave, I tugged her on her shoulder. What if there's another one inside? I whispered. I felt her stiffen. We'll just have to go slow and see, she whispered back. We peeked around the edge of the entrance. I didn't see anything, but it was rather dark inside. There was no choice. We had to use our flashlights. If there was another creature in there, we would be revealing ourselves. I sighed deeply and turned on my flashlight, instantly regretting it. The cave was large. I could easily stand up in it. It had several feet of headroom. In the center was a depression with the remains of burned pieces of wood together where there had been a fire at one point. But the real shock was when we shone our lights around. The walls of the cave were dark red, but not solid red. There were splatter marks all over. In one spot, a bloody handprint slid down the wall as if someone was trying to escape and was pulled back. My mind went wild, imagining the horrors that had gone on in this cave. I had not noticed the smell at first, probably because I was more worried about dying. But now that I did, it was a horrid stench. Rotting flesh combined with other bodily fluids and puddles on the floor made my stomach do flip-flops. I did everything I could do to not retch. I pulled my radio and called back to the station, giving them our GPS coordinates and telling them to have all teams converge at this location. Almost as an afterthought, I told them to bring a tranquilizer gun and shotguns loaded with slugs. The cavalry is on the way, I said. That's great, but don't you think we should find some bodies first? I looked around and she was correct. There was every piece of evidence pointing to there being bodies except actual bodies. We looked around, but there didn't seem to be any place to hide anything. She told her light a- She moved her light around, looking carefully at the walls when she suddenly found a passageway hidden due to the natural angle of the wall. We started back to the passageway. It was wide and tall. We could have easily walked side by side and still had room, 
when we got to the end, what we found, we unfortunately found what we were looking for. The passageway opened up into another room, a pile of dirt, leaves, and grass covered in the corner. It could have passed for a bed. In the other corner, there was a pile of bones. Beside it was clothing, lots of clothing. I stepped over to the rise of clothes and dug through them, finding a pair of pants that still had a wallet. I pulled it out and checked the driver's license. It was a name I recognized. I think I may have found one of our hikers, I said. She didn't answer. I looked over, and she was shining her flashlight down into a hole in the floor. I may have found the rest, she said wide-eyed. I took my backpack off, put the wallet in it, and then went over to see what she was looking at. In the hole were more bodies. One of them was still moving, just barely. Help me. I heard a weak call come from one of them. We'll help you, I called down, leaning over the edge to go down into the hole. What are you doing? She grabbed me by the shoulder, pulling me back. I'm going to help. Look down there, she said, flashing her light into the hole. This has to be 15 feet deep. How are you planning on getting anyone out? They could never even reach the top, even if they stood on your shoulders. I looked down and realized she was absolutely right. Feeling helpless, I looked around the cave and then I had an idea. I went to the pile, pulled out my hunting knife and started cutting the clothes from the bones. I took two pairs of pants and then tied them together. Then I tied a shirt to them. We had made a makeshift rope at least 20 feet in length. We tossed the end into the hole and told her to grab on. We sat our flashlights down, aiming them at the spot and started pulling. But soon the rope gave way and we fell backward. What happened? The tracker said. I'm not strong enough to keep a hold, the woman in the hole said. Okay, tie it around your waist this time, I said. After a minute, she was ready. We pulled her again, but this time she didn't come loose halfway up. We got her to the top and untied her. She screamed at the top of her lungs. What's wrong? She pointed behind us and there stood the creature. It was more hideous than anything I'd ever seen. It looked like someone had skinned a Bigfoot and gave it tusk. It was massive. It, it, its head, it nearly touched the ceiling of the cave. I pulled out my knife and can of pepper spray, but the creature moved impossibly fast and swiped them away. The can landed in the corner of a pile of bones. I watched helplessly as my knife clattered and then bounced into the hole. It came at me, slashing claws at the air, just missing my jugular. As I backpedaled, I stumbled, and then I was in the air. The ground came rushing up to smash me into the back, knocking the wind out of me. I looked up and realized I was in the hole. Before I could regain my breath, a body fell on top of me, evacuating my breath again. Not only could I not breathe, but I also couldn't see either. I had no idea as of which of the two women had fallen on top of me. It wasn't long until I found another body land on top of the pile, making the point moot. I was faced with a decision. Do I try to find my flashlight so I can at least see where I am in the condition of the woman, let alone where the creature is, or do I play dead? Again, the decision was rendered moot as I heard another impact. This one wasn't the limp body thudding into a pile. This was a deliberate choice to land on two feet, paws, or whatever this thing had. The creature's breathing filled the room. It echoed back, making it sound like a herd of them that had surrounded me and closed in. There was no way for me to push the weight of the two bodies off of me without bringing attention to myself. I could hear the creature slowly circling. I had no idea how its night vision was, but I prayed it wasn't any better than mine. If it were waiting to hear me move, I would be as still as possible. The only exception was my hand slowly moving to the small flashlight in my pocket. 
I had no idea what help a flashlight would be at this point, but it was better than laying there waiting to die. The sounds of breaking bone punctuated the creature's footsteps. The fact that there was no cries of pain told me it was too late for everyone in this place. Once there, there was no escape, unless a couple of rangers blunder in and get you out, only to have the creature throw you right back in. In retrospect, that was quite a tease. Breathing quietly was becoming a problem. The weight of two bodies on me didn't help me. Fortunately, my fingers had reached the bottom of my pocket, and I grabbed the small flashlight. I slowly pulled it out, trying to be as silent as possible. In the end, it didn't matter when one of the women on top of me groaned. I heard the creature pause and then start in our direction. I knew it was now or never. I aimed the flashlight as best as I could while surrounded by darkness and only using sound. It stepped right up to us and I could feel the weight lift off me. My relief was short-lived as I heard a sickening snap that could only be the sound of a neck breaking, followed by a thud of a body hitting the ground. Next, I heard a gasp as the body directly on top of me was lifted. I knew she was about to share the same fate. I turned on the flashlight and aimed it at the creature's face. Thankfully, it dropped her and roared in fear or pain. I moved away from that spot as quickly as possible and turned the light off before it could recover and track me down. Once again, silence reigned as it tried to listen to my movements, but I was still as a stone. I hadn't made it far, maybe a dozen feet before I shut off the light and froze. For a long moment, neither of us made a sound. It was unnerving. I held my breath, fearing even that would give it away. Then I heard it take a step. I locked in and turned on my light, hitting it in the face and making it roar again. The downside was it was not as far away as I wanted. It zeroed in on me quickly and charged. I turned off the light and dove to the side trying to run but tripping and falling over a pile of bones. I hit the ground hard with a solid thud that I knew would give away my position, not that it mattered. At this point it was so close all it had to do was reach out and tear me to pieces. I lay there waiting for death, listening to its labored breathing, and decided to at least see when the thing was coming to get me. I turned on my light and shone it at the creature. It didn't roar, it didn't move. What trick is this? I thought. I stood keeping my light on the creature the whole time. It was lying beside the wall of the cave. A significant dent in the wall looked just as if it were the same size as the top of its head. Apparently during the last charge it had rammed its head into the wall and knocked itself unconscious. I shined the light around the room, desperately searching through the carnage of human parts. When I saw a glint of metal, I followed the sight of my knife, sticking out from the back of a victim. I recoiled in horror when I saw the level of decay of the corpse. My knife hadn't caused his death. I pulled the knife out of the corpse and hurried back to the creature. I knew there would be only a few seconds left for me to be able to kill it and maybe bring it back to somebody who would study it. But also, who would say it had every right to live as much as I had? I leaned down and slit its throat. Then I stabbed it repeatedly through the back and in different places, trying to hit as many vital organs as possible. I slashed and stabbed with every ounce of rage in me. I screamed as I turned the creature into a hamburger, and it still wasn't enough. Adrenaline surged as I dismembered this thing from the bowels of hell. Finally, I collapsed. I had no energy left and I fell to the floor covered in blood and lay beside this thing. As my lungs heaved and screamed into the air, I heard a commotion in the cave above. Lights played along the walls, lights invaded the cave. I could hear the gasp of shock and disgust as the other rangers saw what was down in the pit. With maximum effort, I slowly raised my arm. Over here! We've got a live one! I heard someone say. 
The clamoring of people trying to get into and out of the hole was all I heard as I looked around the now lit room and saw how many bodies littered the floor. They pulled me out and took me to a hospital. Just tell me it's dead, was all I could say according to witnesses. I wouldn't know. Everything from when they found me into the next day, waking up in a hospital bed was a blur. With a few fractured ribs and general exhaustion being my diagnosis, I was able to walk out in a couple of days. But before I did, there was one other survivor in the hospital I wanted to visit. The woman we pulled out of the pit was the only true survivor of the Cave of Horrors. She was in critical condition but expected to pull through. I talked to her. She was one of the hikers we were looking for. She told me they had decided to go for a walk on the trail when the creature took them one by one. It would sneak up behind them and grab them. Two of her friends were gone before she knew it. They searched all over but couldn't find them. So they started back and the creature took another from the end of the line. The last two were her and her boyfriend. It stalked them and took them at the same time. She squeezed my hand as tears flowed down her cheeks. I don't want to say anything about what happened in that cave, she said. I don't want to remember anything about it. She pulled me close and we hugged for a good minute. When she pulled away, all she could do was say, thank you. You're welcome, I said, unable to find anything else to say. I left the hospital and went to the station. The head ranger told me to go home, but I needed to know how things had ended. You don't want to hear this right now, he said. Yes, I do. He sighed and handed me the report. A total of 26 dead bodies were found in the cave, including the ranger who was with me. In stunning irony, the creature's last victim was the ranger who had tracked it to its lair and led it to its death. The creature was mutilated beyond any hope of identification. There was speculation that it may have been some genetic mutation of a bear or some other large predator. I didn't care what it was as long as it was dead and there were no more like it. That doesn't exactly go with the ranger's job of keeping all creatures safe, but I didn't care. That thing needed to die. I still work as a ranger in that same park. The investigation showed that I was acting on self-preservation and the preservation of others. I'm okay with it, but I do carry that knife that I use to kill the thing every single day. I never wash the blood off the blade. I'm hoping the scent to be a deterrent to other predators. That and the 44 Magnum I carry now as a sidearm. I watch things more closely now when I'm on patrol. I wait for another one of those things to appear every day. I wait and I hope I'm the one who gets to kill it. You could say the creature made me what I am today. A hunter. A killer. A monster. The Bike Trail by Strength Pleasant 6552 First off, I want to establish that I came into contact with many strange things in my life. While some of those things could be considered paranormal, most of them have a logical explanation, or at least that's what I like to tell myself. I don't believe the story I'm about to tell you is anything paranormal, but this experience was quite unsettling. I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about myself. I love running. That is probably enough to say that I am a pretty strange person. I never really liked team sports like soccer or basketball because I am severely introverted, but I needed physical education credits to graduate from high school, so I decided to join cross country and the track team. While practicing with the team almost daily, I usually did my independent practice on a bike trail that I lived close to. I loved that trail and spent a lot of time running, walking, and biking on it. I used to wander off path and explore the beautiful forest surrounding it. 
Although this bike trail is a 67 mile long trail, it was very well kept, or at least the part that I was used to. The bike trail was a vast circle split into multiple sections, each with checkpoints at the end. The track that I used to use the most was roughly 8 miles from one checkpoint to the other. I rarely ever walked or ran the entire 16 miles, but this is where the spooky story took place. I decided that I would attempt it for the first time ever, the entire 16 mile stint. The run started like any other run. I put my airpods in and started to play my running music. It was an excellent day, and the first three miles went swimmingly. Since it was such a lovely day for using the trail, quite a few other bikers and runners were also using it, but I only saw them for the first three or four miles of the segment. This is because at about four miles into that segment, there was a two-mile trail that went off the main course and led to a popular campground, so that is where most of the runners and bikers that I saw came from. They would usually go in the direction I came down from and then go into the town I lived in. I say all this to explain why nobody else was around when I was making an unsettling discovery. I was about five and a half miles into the trail when something about a hundred feet off the path caught my eye. It didn't look strange initially and was just a white object behind a tree. As I got closer, I realized what it was and what I saw was highly disturbing. It was a dollhouse placed behind a tree and on that tree there were a bunch of pictures of a little boy taped to it. All of the images seemed to be taken in some sort of daycare, and the child didn't appear to be having a particularly good or bad time at the daycare. The pictures didn't seem concerning, and they were all taken of a boy who was unaware. As for the dollhouse, well, I think it was a dollhouse, I'm not entirely sure, but that is what I call it whenever I tell the story. It was something you'd seen in an old woman's garden, it was more of like a large porcelain decoration than a child's dollhouse. It was an extraordinary sight. Suddenly, I felt as though I was being watched, and the feeling of dread that I had only felt a few times before this moment came over me. I considered taking a picture of it with my phone, but I was scared that if I were being watched, whoever it was would not appreciate me doing so. I decided that the best thing I could do was to take a good look at the little boy in the picture and try my best to remember his face so I could look up a list of missing people in the area and see if he was one of them. I walked back onto the trail and decided to cut my run short and head back. The feeling of being watched continued until I got close to the offshoot trail that led to the campground and the rest of the way back was fine. When I got home I looked up missing people and none of them appeared to match the boy. I continued to check almost every day for the next couple of weeks but never found anyone that looked even close to him. I heavily considered going back, maybe even telling the police about it, but I didn't have any proof of it. So after about two weeks, I decided to bike back to that spot where I found the pictures in Dollhouse and take a picture of it. When I returned to where I was pretty sure I saw them, there was nothing there. I looked around the area but never found anything. While I was looking around, there was no feeling of dread anymore. And as far as I know, no one was watching me. I returned home and almost forgot about it entirely and only brought it up in conversations about weird things I have seen. For all I know, it wasn't anything, but it was in the middle of nowhere and felt like someone was watching me. What scared me the most was that once I discovered it, whoever put it there took no time at all to move it somewhere else once they realized I had seen it, which confirms that there was definitely someone watching me that day.
Wow, these were some crazy stories tonight, and I thank everybody who submitted these stories to the swamp. They were absolutely fascinating, and I'm hoping that you all enjoyed them as much as I did. Story number two really resonates with me. I found lots of things like that in the woods growing up where I was. I grew up in a small town with less than 900 people, and we were about probably 30 to 35 minutes away from the nearest real city. So, I saw a lot of weird and unsettling things in the woods in my day. But, I can't really say if they were supernatural, or if they were just some weird rednecks in the woods doing crazy things, but they're unsettling. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or at r slash thedarkswamp on reddit. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. I'm always looking for brand new outdoors experiences to share. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. Be sure to elbow it hard so its nose breaks. Subscribe to my channel if you're new. I upload almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. It helps the swamp grow and I'm very appreciative of it. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give this a 5 star rating over there as it helps the swamp grow on those platforms. If you made it to the end, tonight's code word to confuse those in the comments who didn't and to also let me know that you made it to the very end is Sparkling Shrek. I'd love to see how many of you guys actually make it to the end. Also, let me know in the comments what story was your favorite tonight. I'd love to see the discussion and it helps me pick better stories for the future. Thank you guys as always for supporting The Swamp. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all those good social medias. I also just started a TikTok, so if you're a fan of shorter style content, you can find my stories over there as well.